0: It's not a one-country thing, it's an African agenda.
1: This is African Insights with Derek Mazarura. We embody comprehensive assessments of infrastructure projects on the African continent and all issues related to African development, inclusive landmark impulsions for Africa welcome to african insights with derek mazarura a weekly show with a comprehensive meaning pertaining to african infrastructure undertakings and the generic development scorecard riley odinga kenya's former prime minister and the african union high representative for infrastructure development in africa recently spoke to a determination made by african union to set up a fund to finance infrastructural demands on the african continent by dint of domestic financial sources the resolve spotlights key components that contribute to the stability of the african economic climate and joining us on the show to unpack such and more is firstly from egypt On his behalf, Dr. Mustafa Sak from the African Union Development Agency, NEPAD. He is the focal point for the Presidential Infrastructure Champion Initiative, PICI. Secondly, from Nigeria is Ezekiel Ikata, a consultant, business analyst and project manager. Thirdly, Funzo Shitema from the Republic of South Africa a young animal scientist who graduated from the university of venda and last but not the least engineer aristide from kigali rwanda gentlemen welcome to the show
0: hi derek thanks a lot for giving me this unique opportunity to join the discussions
2: hi derek uh, thank you very much for having me hi derek thanks for having me on african insights
3: I'd like to take this time and thank you for a warm welcome to this show.
1: Dr. Mustafa, you can get the ball rolling. What do you make of AU's determination to turn to domestic financial sources to bergen infrastructural development for the facilitation of regional markets interaction? Why have mainstream financial markets been in the past preferred to domestic sources?
0: As you may aware, dear Derek, the African Union needs adequate, reliable and predictable resources to implement its crude cutting programs, including infrastructure ones, so as to achieve the, its development goals and the legitimate aspirations of the African people, as stipulated in Agenda 2063. Mm-hmm. To this end, uh, reliance on external financial resources has been proved to increase Africa's vulnerability to external shocks, which in turn harms the execution rate of development programs across the continent. As a result, it's commonly perceived that Africa has no option but to finance its development agenda and programs through domestic resources mobilization. Mm -hmm. This perspective has remarkably featured the decisions and resolutions endorsed by the various African Union summits since Kigali 1 in 2016.
4: Uh, I think the EU's plan to turn to domestic financial sources to expand infrastructure development is a bold move uh, that might be uh, a bit difficult to implement as well. Uh, This is because when you look at uh, potential sources for the domestic financial uh, support, you really need two standard sources. Source number one is, of course, the tax revenues. African states correct uh, collect uh, from um, from his population and businesses. And then uh, source number two is the public pensions, insurances, and so forth. Yes. Now, in reality, uh, most African countries already use those two sources to finance infrastructure development in their own countries. And the reason why... Uh, African countries has also be have also been using uh, other sources is because the funds raised from taxes and public pensions and insurances are not enough.
2: Ezekiel well thank you, thank you very much for the question. Um hey, used determination to turn to um domestic sources. I think there are lots of reasons that they could have in mind um one of which is the high interest rates we see many countries or across africa um are suffering from the debts the burden of debts they have been paying over time due to um, the high interest rates they have incurred from borrowing and um, also something else to also look at is the um, conditions attached to some of these um, um funds that they get from some of these foreign countries. Um, some of these conditions are mostly unfavorable. Mm-hmm. And I also think um, there's a blooming mindset of um, this Africa-centric perspective, that Africa should be the ones to develop Africa. So I think this um, blooming mindset is one of the reasons too that they are looking inwards. Also, um, There's also the need um, to share capacities and to um, 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 exchange capacities and to um, trade together. Um, In addition to that, I think they also want to keep the inflow um, more within the continent, instead of allowing the funds um, to flow um, outside the continent. Because most times when these funds are gotten from outside the continent, uh, most of these projects are executed Um, by foreign companies as well and Mm -hmm. most times a bulk of the funds flow back um, to some of these foreign countries. Fonzo, your understanding?
3: Well I think it is a great step even though it might have been a a little late, Mm -hmm. it is what should have been considered first before making debts and having countries like Kenya reaching to those high debt levels. In countries like uh, China and international countries. Uh, I think also surely they wanted to access a large amounts of money without having to increase taxes but with the way I see it those taxes are so high because the money that they borrow most of the time it is not used for what it, it was borrowed for. This is Africa and i think uh, those things of uh, misusing the, the the borrowed money or the money yes uh, that they they borrow for certain things and then it is used for certain things uh, should stop
1: thank you dr mustafa to aid au's efforts describe perspectives worth incorporating for sound efficacious and lucrative partnerships with domestic financial institutions And focusing on AU methodology and other institutions alike in Africa, which aspects of policy and frameworking require reform and streamlining?
0: As I mentioned before, it becomes very clear that domestic resources mobilization has become a top priority. This is evident not only for the African Union, but also for other relevant stakeholders at all levels, continentally, regionally and nationally as well. As you can see, despite the progress achieved thus far, we still need to double our efforts to further expedite this process so as to meet our targets. To this end, one could propose a wide range of policy actions to mitigate challenges currently confronting the domestic resources mobilization, particularly the following. Mm -hmm. The first challenge is the moderate domestic saving rate. Definitely, by developing more saving products, financial organizations based in Africa can offer a safe custody of money for low-income people, encouraging them to move their under the mattress cash savings to a formal financial account. The second challenge relates to the institutional capacity of resources mobilization. Undoubtedly, digital technologies have the potential to increase the efficiency and efficacy of this process last but not least uh, i would like to underline the lion's share of the informal sector in africa as you may aware Mm -hmm. uh, statistics indicate that around 90 percent of economic activities in africa are conducted by small and medium enterprises therefore it's important to engage them in any process envisaging to uh, increase the resources mobilization
1: arrested what is your perspective
4: so in order to raise uh, these funds from domestic sources there are two options mm-hmm. either to look at uh, traditional ways economists uh, have advised government in regards to raising money so that is taxes public pensions bank revenues uh, stock market capitals and uh, uh, so forth but the problem is uh, none of these sources will provide adequate funding. That is why I think African countries need to think outside of the box. And uh, there's exactly a theory uh, circulating around uh, that might just work. But the theory is called uh, modern, modern monetary policy. And uh, this theory states uh, that government do not raise money by imposing taxes uh, rather, governments create funds uh, that their economy can effect effectively consume, and then governments uh, use taxes to re- uh, recuperate excess funds from their economies. Uh, this uh, theory is still very contentious, as you can imagine, uh, between economists, and it uh, mm-hmm. hasn't been tried by. Countries uh, around the world. Yet, uh, however, the the more you look at uh, at the, the theory, it appears that it might it might work, and uh, with a fast moving uh, uh, economies such as uh, fast developing economies such as as uh, African countries have, uh, this could be worth uh, worth a shot. Um, actually when you when you look at what's happening in the u.s uh, to a small extent the modern monetary policy has influenced uh, u.s politicians uh, when it when it, when it comes to deciding on how much they should uh, uh, borrow to to combat uh, the, the pandemic
2: ezekiel Um. Thank you very much for that question. Um, there must be a transparent approach um, when it comes to funding and the dis- disbursement process. Um, there must also be security of funds, investments, um, using do- the domestic um, um, financial institutions as partners. Uh, in addition, um, there must be guaranteed returns, payment and repayment um, for every fund, um, giving out and for funds that are are contributed. And also these funds um, should trickle down um, to um, the domestic financial institutions uh, for disbursement, such that it creates a a uh, multi-level layer of security. Um, Domestic financial institutions um, could also act as eyes on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, Since they are part of those... um, Um, that contributed um, to the investment um, that make up the funds. Um, Regarding um, policy um, frameworking, um, the AU and other institutions must go beyond mere talk and be ready to put in the action and the work necessary. Um, They must also come up with policies to foster idea-sharing capacity and information exchange. This is very, very important. In addition, they must become proactive, rather than um, reactive. Fonzo?
3: This is interesting. Uh, I think if we could go with the perspective that improves and promotes faster growth on GDP, that requires us to spend and invest more on our products. For example, if we are using our home-produced or locally-produced agricultural project products, we expand its capacity on generating more income and exports. We need to export more than we are importing. We spend locally, we consume locally, and we export. I'd still say promoting local expenditure, consuming locally, produced goods or services, and exporting Mm -hmm. goes hand in hand with the master plan and framework for uh, transforming Africa into the global powerhouse of the future. That, in general, means cutting on imports. If it's in South Africa, we want to see more of uh, proudly South African products. So why can't we see uh, proudly African products being produced in Africa and uh, uh, exported internationally globally?
1: Which infrastructure forms in the main attract critical attention in Africa to eliminate missing links in trade? and why? how can monetary disbursement structures be cocooned from socio-economic evils like corruption within au member states dr mustafa your understanding
0: in my considered opinion it's a bit difficult to prioritize one infrastructure form over another the reason is simply that leveraging continental economic integration across the continent requires building more integrated transport energy information and communication technologies Mm -hmm. and transboundary water networks as well this is to boost trade spark economic growth and create more jobs across the continent to this end relevant stakeholders currently advocate for what is called as the integrated quarter approach to infrastructure development this approach prioritizes project that link different infrastructure sectors together, which, if developed together, would cost less and develop cross sectoral synergies. Yes, in other words, the integrated corridor approach would further improve the aspects of efficacy and value of money and transparency as well.
2: Thank you. I raised it. Thanks for that question. Um, first of all, power. Power is very important because um, power is needed for almost everything that you want to um, engage in. So it's important to um, invest in this and to put this in place to make make sure that everything is running fine. Um, You also have to look into transportation, um, roads and security. I say transportation uh, because that involves the whole flow of everything. Uh, The roads must have good roads so that goods and services can flow freely. And yes, even in those roads, you must also make sure you provide security, uh, which is very important, so that goods and services can flow freely without interruption. Um, And in the light of what we um, have had in the past few months, health is also important, investment in health facilities. Um, is really, really important. So Mm -hmm. people can move freely without fear of having people from member states, um, from member states coming into different countries. Um, In addition to that, um, technological penetration is also important. And this can be done by providing quality education um, to train citizens for the demands of the future. Um, For monetary disbursement, um, it can be insulated from Um, socio-economic evils by accountability. Accountability, not just in a particular level, but accountability at multiple levels, Mm -hmm. from AU levels to um, regional levels to um, country, national levels, and even to um, grassroots levels. Um, The next thing is that um, the AU must also have a way to prosecute or Mm -hmm. sanction hearing members. That I means those that take um, funds and don't really execute the projects that they're supposed to execute, there's supposed to be a means of sanctioning and prosecuting them. Ezekiel?
4: um, so I think, obviously, the most critical infrastructure, I think, with the transportation sector, so that is uh, roads and uh, rail, uh, railroads, uh, there's still a long way to go, not pun intended, uh, uh, but there's, there's still a long way to go uh, to efficiently connect African countries uh, physically. So, again, roads and uh, railways. Um, that is why projects like uh, the one Egypt is uh, doing of creating a very long, high-speed uh, rail uh, projects, uh, like those, need to be implemented in several parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. In terms of combating corruption, uh, I think... Uh, at least on infrastructure projects, uh, try to uh, carry out more of uh, standard standardization uh, activities. So that is uh, uh, making sure from one project to another, there is sharing of information of how much things cost and say, you know, trying to find how, how much one mile one kilometer of, of paved road coast and such uh, and so on and share that across to make sure at least uh, those who are auditing on behalf of governments uh, can be able to compare and contrast uh, uh budgets and cost and such uh, and so forth uh, another thing which i also spoke about last time was uh, education i think um our youth uh, future leaders need to be educated mm-hmm. on uh the dangers of corruption and in more detail uh, really get them to feel a sense of uh, responsibility and understanding of why uh, even though it might be appealing at the beginning but corruption ends up eating Everyone, including those who are taking those bribes or who are mis- misusing the
3: funds.
1: Fonzo, your take, please.
3: I think it is the roads and the railways in Africa. In most countries, we, we don't have roads. You, we don't travel well. Even if you uh, you are transporting your goods or products from uh, another African country to another, you, you're going to struggle to use those roads because they are mostly in bad conditions. For example, uh, roads in, in 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 Zimbabwe, most part of of, of Zimbabwe, they they are damaged, mm-hmm. and, and the roads also in in Malawi, they are damaged. Most of African countries don't have roads and rail, railways. I mean, uh, the cost for 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 labor in Africa doesn't really cost that much, but when you are trading or or transporting goods from uh, your country to another African country, what's going to cost you more is transportation because there is no roads. It's like uh, if we compare to uh, uh, European countries, uh, because they are transporting through smooth roads, they're going to charge less for transport. But because in Africa, you are struggling in those routes, you're going to charge more for those. And I think uh, the, the monetary uh, uh, thing from um, third parties uh, should uh, go straight to, 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 to payments on those who, who did their work. Because mm-hmm. uh, you are accessing money from, uh, example, a solidarity fund, it has to go to through some uh, uh, political parties um, political parties members and, and even if it's not political parties members within au uh, those those people we need a strong audit <laughs> we really need strong audit Wherever that money is going, we need strong audit. I think that's how we're going to get it right. That's how the money is going to reach the right people.
1: Thank you for that. Dr. Mustafa, would you be of the opinion that respective African states had borrowed enough in the past to have presently attained debt-free environments? Please give examples of exparsely borrowing African countries you are aware of or vice versa how has borrowing from international financial markets robbed Africa of socio-economic sovereignty
0: according to the international debt statistics for 2020 published by the World Bank we can find that the total external debt stocks of Sub-Saharan Africa estimated at around 600 billion US dollar and the long-term interest payment turns around 17 billion US dollar furthermore the same database showed that the external debt among sub-saharan African countries grew faster than in other regions mm-hmm. over half of the countries in the sub-saharan region have seen their external debt stocks double these figures could give us a quick indication to the current status of our continent in this regard.
1: Arrested?
4: So whether African states have borrowed enough to be debt free or not is a, is a difficult question because uh, the question assumes or at least implies that African countries should have uh, been aiming to be debt free. Uh, this may not have been necessarily the case. Uh, debt is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, debt is definitely a bad thing when one is misusing the loan But debt is um, is good if uh, the funds uh, are used efficiently to boost the economy uh, and paid back with some surplus uh, remaining to the country that took the debt. Uh, However, uh, because of uh, where the African countries are getting the money, mainly Europe, China, and the U.S., there are some other political and historic complications, which might come of the debt, and uh definitely not desirable. That is, namely, the potential to for a country to lose authority over itself and, in a way, uh, be influenced uh in its uh, government. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some cases, that has happened. Uh, for example, you have. Countries like uh, Cape Verde, uh, which uh, at the at the moment has one of the highest uh, debt to G- to GDP ratio, uh, I think its uh, debt to GDP ratio stands at one thirty five percent, and um, its debt its debt is mainly coming from um, their former colonizer Portugal, which has loaned them. About thirty percent of their total debt.
1: Fonzo.
3: Yeah, I think most of them had borrowed enough, but they misused that money. Corruption. In in Africa, we we are suffering from this uh, a deadly disease called corruption. Uh huh. Deadly evil doing called corruption. We we have Kenya. They they have raised those uh, high uh, levels of of debt internationally and also south africa is, is one of them we we borrow money from china it comes here for for infra, infrastructure but then it is m- being misused later on we we go back to the people lastly they had b- borrowed something like uh, 500 uh, a billion among those the, it was for for for, for ppes <laughs> But then again, we, we were shooting of money because of corruption. You find that somebody just registered a a company today and tomorrow they get the tender for uh, supplying PPs without experience because they are into politics and they are known, mm-hmm. which is also happening in in other African countries. That's why I think we have borrowed enough. We have borrowed enough. I think also, um, borrowing from uh, international um, institutions, uh, came back to us like we were working for those people. They were taking control over our own institutions, they they were controlling finances, and they were also controlling how we were pricing our goods, uh, also how we were doing our things we have been uh, robbed if if those things uh, if the money was was borrowed from our own i think right now would have uh, reached maybe uh, probably uh, a a good um, financial uh, efficiency self financial efficiency at some point at some point we would have
1: we are going to take a quick break and after the break opportunity realization for ppp's the African Continental Free Trade Area, Exports Expansion and International Deficits, Intra Trade Diversification and Industrialization. Join us after the break. This is African Insight on Channel Africa DSTV 802. Join me, Derek Mazarura, as we journey through the structure beneath the structure north west south and central Africa to find the project the meaning with the people for the people every Wednesday mornings at 8 regional national subnational, from Morocco's North Africa power transmission corridor to the eco villages in Togo among many all here on African Inside Channel Africa Bringing you the African perspective.
0: Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Thanks to you, Derek, for having me once again to continue our discussions over development of infrastructure in Africa.
4: Thank you for having me back on the
2: show, Derek. Thank you, Derek, for having me back on the show. Thank you. And if you're
1: just joining us, we are setting factors upon which the new African Union Infrastructure Fund hinges. Dr. Sack, before the break, you cited excessive reliance upon external capital as the key stressor to the development agenda, so to speak. Hence, the need for African governments to go back to the drawing board and reset strategies. Is the move by AU opportunity realisation for PPPs? Why is the African continental free trade area of consequence to the private sector and eradicating poverty on the continent? How can levels of, for instance, taxes be considerably moderate, taking into account private sector and free market engagement?
0: thanks dear derek for raising such important question as you may are aware and our esteemed listeners are aware trading under the african continental free trade area agreement was launched on the 1st of january 2021 this represents the start of our epic journey towards creating the long-awaited continental african market covering together an estimated 1.2 billion people with a combined GDP of over 2.5 trillion U.S. dollars across 55 member states. Undoubtedly, the successful implementation of the Continental Free trade Agreement could be the game changer in our African context. That Mm -hmm. will trigger more industrialization, economic growth, create jobs, and most importantly, will empower the African women and youth. It will also encourage the private sector to participate in in leading the economic development process in our continent. To this end, it's of the utmost importance to provide the enabling environment for this transformation process to happen at all levels. Ezekiel? Yes, I
2: think it's an opportunity realisation for the PPPs. Um, Public and private partnership uh, would go a long way in helping explore the capacities and the capabilities available on the continent. And also the African Continental Free Trade Area is important to the private sector in eradicating poverty um, because it gives access to bigger markets and expansion. There's also cross-country collaborations. Um, there's all, it's all, it's, it, it also fosters some free flow of knowledge exchange and um, a free and um, flow mm-hmm. of trade. Um, it also provides um, an and opens up member states to new opportunities by helping them leverage on the uniqueness of each member state. Mm -hmm. And as regarding taxes, um, I think um, giving a tax holiday to, giving tax holidays to startups um, for a while could be one of the ways to boost the private sector. Uh, This would go a long way to help. And also moderating charges um that um, result from the movement of goods and services um, across member states um, would also go a long way to help as well what challenges
1: could arise from securing and maintaining relationships with financial institutions within the continent while grappling with international trade deficits how might opening investment opportunities for local institutions increase intra-trade reduce imports and expand exports capacity. Dr. Mustafa?
0: To expedite Africa's economic integration, we may need to consider offering a wide range of trade finance programs to finance and facilitate finance that will support and enable intra- and extra-African trade. Within this context, a special priority should be given to develop finance schemes and programs designed to address both the market and product diversification problems that africa currently faces these programs often known as the structured trade finance schemes equally important is to promote market information and sharing sharing and dissemination systems and platforms among the african markets this is to balance between supply and demand across the continent Mm -hmm. e-commerce and finance platforms would be of the utmost importance in this regard last but not least promotion of finance technology could play a significant role to ease the potential challenges that could arise from mobilizing more domestic resources to finance our continent's domestic uh, and external trade there are now more than 500 companies providing technology enabled innovation in financial services.
1: Fonzo?
3: I understand it creates substantial problems in the long run. It will turn out to be like the international institutions are taking financial control over continental institutions. They call it economic colonization, which is not good at all. Imagine foreign countries owning everything that Africa has. Mm-hmm. And in some parts of uh, African countries, that thing is happening. They don't own anything. It is being owned by foreign countries.
1: Dr. Mustafa, apart from mainstream infrastructure like roads and railways, which other not with the sectors and subsectors can potentially establish inter-country and regional linkages, and how are r and d initiatives and skills development schemes? important for intra-trade diversification
0: along with the traditional forms of infrastructure it's cardinal to underline the significance of investment in information and communication technology sector so as to facilitate flow of goods and services across the continent according to the available statistics africa is witnessing a massive digital transformation in this regard It's, however, noted that the use of communication infrastructure by the population is also highly unequal or what Mm -hmm. is called as digital divide. This divide is evident across geographical space, rural versus urban areas, also according to employment status, formal versus informal sector, along with uh, firm size, small versus large firms. Furthermore, it's also evident across gender and education levels. In addition to the ICT, investment in education and capacity building is a a must to provide the required skills for production structure diversification.
1: FUNZO, please explain the need to leverage high youth populations to enhance productivity, create employment and curb brain drain. How can African economies intensify industrialization to optimize domestic resources usage and arrive at financial self-sufficiency?
3: We can all start uh, with great investment in the youth. That takes believing in the youth. There was gonna be uh, no need for for brain drain in our continent if we had invested in the new energy that the youth have. They come in with the knowledge they have, create employment only if we believe in them. In South Africa, you'd find uh, a post uh, for a job uh, that needs uh, one to be in ages uh, between 18 and 25, but with 10 years experience how come would that person have that experience and even own a car coming time with those uh, millions budgeted for agricultural purposes is the old people benefiting yes the veterans how come we need to invest in the youth we need to believe in the youth they have ideas and power to change situations
1: gentlemen thank you for affording us your time
3: Thank you
4: for having me on the show, Derek. It was a pleasure to talk to you today.
0: At the end of our discussion, I would like to truly thank you, dear Derek and the team for giving me this opportunity.
2: Thank you, Derek, for having me on the show. It's really, really a pleasure. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Derek, uh, for having me on the show.
2: That marks the end of
1: our show and the beginning of a well-informed and resolute journey for 55 African states. It's not just about the money, or where it's coming from. It's also about who the money is being given to, how and why, mainly to be confident of where it's going to end. Contrary to the way the public sector operates, the private sector is that particular. Accountability is tantamount to investor confidence. Join me again next week, same time, as we explore the structure beneath the structure. Right here on African Insights. My name is Derek Mazarura, and it's bye for now.